Hey, everybody. Welcome to Beyond the Stage at Livermore Valley Arts. I am Ruth Eggerman, your Director of Marketing, and I'm joined by Chris Carter, our host and our Executive Director. Welcome, everybody, to Beyond the Stage. Today, we talk to Efren Ramirez, who plays Pedro in Napoleon Dynamite. And it was a super fun conversation. Wouldn't you agree, Chris? I loved it. I thought he was great yeah. and gracious and very funny at the same time. So I think people are going to really enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. He seemed to really struggle with the either or game, <laughs> which was which was kind well, of entertaining. Yeah, he gave it a lot more thought than I, I thought he was going to. He took it seriously. And yeah, I, I had heard an interview with him and he had talked about um, Charlie Chaplin and Buster Keaton. So I thought I'd throw that in there. You know, to, just, so that's, just, to just to throw them up. Right? Throw them off. And I did not realize how hard yeah, that would throw them off. But uh, yeah, yeah. He, yeah, he was great. Really fun interview. So stay tuned yeah. for that. Napoleon Dynamite's a cult classic. And, you know, I was thinking about other cult films. Um, and I, when I was growing up, the most popular cult film, and I think it's probably still lives up there, was uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show. Of course. Did, did you ever see that? Uh, I've seen, I think I've probably seen enough of it to see the whole thing, but never all at once. Uh, so but, you've, never been, you've never sat, you've never gone to the movie. No, I've never done that. Uh, but it's Tim Curry, right? It's kind of like one of the big stars. Of Tim the Curry. Susan Sarandon's in that. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. God, who else is in it? And if she's in it. It's crazy. And when he was talking about how people come to the movie, come to this the movie, the live movie that we're going to be doing, that people come in costume and dress up and they know the the lines. And that was very reminiscent to me of Rocky Horror Picture Show, Rocky which Horror. I actually did see, which I did see in a movie theater at least a couple of times. And it's nuts. I nuts. think they still show that at the Vine uh, here. In yeah, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure they do. You can find it. Uh, for we sure. should do that as a staff outing <laughs> sometime. <laughs> Rocky Horror. You know, Tim Curry's in yeah. another cult film, uh, Clue, has become a kind of cult classic. And he was the star of that one. I got into well. that. Yeah. yeah. Um, I didn't realize he was in that. Well, and, and you were asking me what my favorite one cult movie was. And yeah. I, I was thinking about it, and there was a couple things that came to mind. Um, when I was a kid, I don't know if this is a cult classic or not, but there was a movie I watched over and over again, and it was The Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai with uh, Peter Weller. Um, very random. You're going to have to look it up. Never even heard of it. It's yeah. a weird sci-fi rock and roll movie. And, but then as an adult, my favorite, I would say, cult classic would be Office Space. Um, oh, yeah. Another film. It's like whenever it's on TV, I cannot turn it off it's the weirdest thing i've probably seen it a million times but i love it i love that, the characters um, similar yeah thing. i i agree office office space is holds a special place yeah <laughs> everyone can relate to it <laughs> right, right if you've worked in an office you can definitely relate to office yeah. space on so many levels and i think you know he was um i think that's what's sort of fun about napoleon dynamite is that you have um 
like all these characters that either you were in high school or you went to high school with. You knew them. Very relentless. You knew them. Yeah. You hung out with them, whatever. That's it. Um, for me, you know, like I think the, the, the movie that I can never turn off, I don't care where I come in at all is breakfast club. And it's, it's, similar in that way although I think that Napoleon Dynamite stepped it up and brought diversity and brought brought people who you know brought those people to life that maybe have lived on the edges a little bit and I think that's what's really compelling about it really interesting and and really made people connect with it on such a grand scale uh I Efren, I, I do have to tell you so I I think you and I are pretty much the same age and and i'm not going to say what that age is but it's you're not going to say 49 <laughs> no <laughs> but thanks for sharing that i appreciate it um no but uh, i've been everybody i i talk to that's like our age yeah. about this uh show coming up uh this napoleon dynamite live really freaks out when i tell them this is happening and it's coming and it's, uh the the film I mean, you got to know. I mean, it's just got a, a great, um, uh, a great following, and so many people love it. And uh, I, my first thing I just wanted to ask you is, whose idea was this to start touring with the film, and, and when did you start doing this? That's that's a good question. I don't, I don't, I really don't know. <laughs> it, um, I think I could bring you back from uh, back to two thousand four to begin with, because once. Once the movie uh, became such a hit, it changed everything. The studios started to ask us to make appearances at theaters, and people would go really bananas of having to see uh, <clears throat> the actors show up and talk about briefly about the making of the film. A lot of universities were requesting for the characters, for the actors to stop by because it became a a, a, a big hit. In the college, all over the colleges in the United States, so we would go to the universities and talk about making films and and uh, being actors and um, and where we came from and all that. Uh, there was there was a, a company in the East Coast who said, "Well, you know what? Maybe maybe if we if we kind of create an act together, um, uh, maybe we could go on tour." And I thought, "Like, well, that's great." And a tour, it started off just being a Q and A where we would have moderator and. And we would have, uh, you know, question. Uh, you know, he would ask us questions for the first thirty minutes, and then after that, we would open up to the audience. But what was interesting, alone itself, was the fact that that the lines would go out the doors of just people wanting to ask questions. They were like, so, and so we decided to like just knock out the moderator and just have us answer and, and do a little Q and A, and just go right away to the to the audience. But then it became much more of a performance because we wanted to have some kind of um, introduction and um, something about ourselves as, as as actors. So so you know uh, we had this musical number and and now it's like you know uh, Grice and I would go up and play our harmonicas or guitar and sing and then Hita would show up on a bike and then he would join us and then. And then we start to reenact some of the scenes. And I thought, well, what if I brought in some cakes? And, and if it's somebody's birthday, she became that. And they were like, what if we brought like a tetherball? Or some of the theaters would say, what if we brought in a llama? <laughs> so, <laughs> it, it, it became something else throughout the years. 
within those 20 years, we really have an, an act that we have put in front of the audience and we really get them involved. We, surprisingly enough, we put them on stage and they reenact some of the scenes or um, they, they talk about their experiences. And it's, uh, it's, 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 it's interesting to see how, how from generation to generation to little kids, the high school students, college students, the parents and the grandparents dressed up as the characters and we're like, yeah, <laughs> that's that's a little me. <laughs> yeah, and so they they come up on stage and they they just have no problem with the lines. Is that it? They just know it. They 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 I think they know the lines more than us. <laughs> right. Seen up. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's awesome. Well, I I guess I wanted to ask you a little bit more. So, are you from LA originally? Is it you kind of like a Southern California guy? Yeah, yeah, I was born and raised in Los Angeles. Um, yeah. I got grew up in East LA, uh-huh. and I remember when I was little, they would they would be filming in my neighborhood, and I and I and I kept on questioning, like how how, how do you do that? How do how do I get into that? And I grew up with a bunch a bunch of brothers, you know, all together were five boys, so um, and we would beat each other up at home. So my mom put my brothers and me into theater, and when we said do theater instead to do plays it was uh just a different experience and i thought like all right maybe she just wanted us out of the house <laughs> yeah do any of your other brothers act then or is, is it just you right? sort of. i have i i have my my twin brother and my little brother who are sort of in it for me even in high school i did a lot of theater you know i was doing oklahoma west side story you're a good man charlie brown <laughs> um uh, uh, it, 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 and it, as corny as it was, it was fun to be able to go up on stage and just live and and play these funny moments and entertain. And at some point, when I was going to college, I was, I was in I was in drama school, and I and I started to really uh, uh, speak with my professors about how to really do it. And I remember I had I had worked on a David Mamet play and I thought like uh, maybe this is possible and I, I, I remember one of my uh, a dear friend of mine said hey if you really want to do this then, then go after it you know and I thought like and <laughs> I was sitting down at the student union eating pizza I'm thinking like there's no one no, with nobody around like wait where did that guy go so and I and I and I just realized like yeah he's right but how do I how do, how do I do that and so I started to really explore different acting schools and and um, studying different styles and techniques of acting, from, from commercials to to TV to feature films and and and, and theater, a lot of, a lot of theater, a lot of playwrights, and to understand character development, storytelling, and um, breaking down scenes and breaking down scripts. So, you know, slowly I started to venture out into the world as I was getting older and learning about what it means to be in this business. Um, to understand what it means for me as an as a young artist, and to to become a, a, a working actor, you know, you it, it was something as I did for entertainment, but now I'm doing it as a profession. Yeah. Now it's become my career, and I'm like, you know, it, it it's I always enter with a curious eye, and because of that, it has opened many doors, many possibilities, many um, downfalls, 
you know, because when you're, you know, when you're younger, you want to work on everything and, you know, and you don't, when you don't get the part, you're, you're, you're bummed out and you realize, wait a minute, that part wasn't meant for me. Or, you know, maybe I shouldn't open that door or, you know, I'm not ready for that. And that's okay. You know, cause you just get better. You know, the more, the, the more practice that you do, the more you have an understanding of the work that you're, that you're facing, you get better, you know, and then, and you, and go, you really get yourself involved. Like, yeah. Theater and, and a lot of plays, a lot of films, a lot of film cinematic directors. What makes make, what makes a director really good? You know, why is he so good at that? Or what makes it really uh, an actor like so spectacular to watch? So I became more curious on on seeing what they did and learning yeah. that. So well, your Ruth's kind of nodding her head, by the way, because she loves theater, yeah. and so I think you had her at Oklahoma. But, um, <laughs> I'm the theater geek in the company yeah. for sure, yeah. for sure. I've got a, there's a couple of us, and so I, I've heard you talk about Mammoth. Was curious what the play was, and um, just if you have a favorite playwright, and are you still doing any stage acting? Yeah, I was just recently working on. I, I just threw a bunch of questions at you. No, that's sorry. A, that's all right. That's all right. Okay. Um, <laughs> just finished uh, working on um, uh, a Neil Labute play called In a Forest Dark and Deep um about a relationship between a brother and sister and as they they go through their the traumatic past and their nightmare of a present life so um you know and sometimes you know when you face characters that you don't um you you, tr you do your best not to judge a character because sometimes the character is living through some kind of darkness or living as carl jung would say living in the shadows mm -hmm. you 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 don't want to open those doors because you know that the, that, that that they're very uncomfortable to live in. Um, and I'm like, there's a reason why the writer has written this, um, and I have to allow myself to relate to that, connect to that, and live within that, and live within those structures of pain and agony and 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 anger and and frustration and 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 static and 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 and, and the, the, you live you live in the muck of the of, of the ugliness. You know, um, as you're bewildered by, by, by your 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 point of view in life, and 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 then however the audience is in the field is that's that's up to them. My job is to really find the meaning of why one could live this life or one should live this life or what happens if when somebody lives a life like this and you know you you really live in that moment. Um, and as far as that other play was concerned, it was David Mamet. It was Danny and Deep Blue Sea. Roberta and I forget and Danny, you know. So, and that that was because he's a really big guy from Jersey, you know. So, uh, and I was thinking, I was telling my professor, like, I'm not a big guy. He goes, No, you're an actor. Be an actor. <laughs> I don't know what that <laughs> means. <laughs> well, you said something earlier because you were somebody told you just to go for it, and I, you know, I got to tell you, you know, I run this performing arts center, and I do get uh, questions, especially from younger people who, hey, how do I get into acting or what can I do to to get into this business and this industry? And my, my first instinct is to tell them, don't do it. Uh, it's, it's hard. It's a hard business. And and I, I liked how you talked about you learned everything you could about about the business and every and kind of explored all the different avenues. And I, that's probably better advice than I would give. So is there anything else you might tell somebody that's kind of like thinking this is what I want to do? Yeah, anybody who's watching right now, um, don't do it. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> don't stop. Turn around. <laughs> um, um, no, in, in all honesty, it's it's 
that you the first thing is you have to have the desire to want to do it um and if you have uh, it really is the curious eye like is it possible yeah it is possible for anyone and everyone and it is meant for anyone and everyone like try it out you know and there's so many different techniques that we'll talk about you need to understand a few factors the first one is acting as an as an artist which is very important as an artist you have to really develop and hone your skills you know and you're constantly doing it even to this day i'm still going to school even to this day i'm still learning i'm watching plays i'm watching films i'm going all right let me look for the genius in that what makes it so compelling to watch so but but what's more compelling than that is real life right i need to draw which is the next step is how are you connected to real life many people are so disconnected and i think part of it is because of this you see i'm not saying that this is a bad thing this is a good thing when you know how to use it in a way that will help you grow but if your life is based on just this alone and you're buried into this you're missing everything that we are living within this moment of what we call real life reality and you need that for me i have such a passion for life so that i could draw that and put it into the work that i'm doing so, um, and then the other part is having to understand that it is a business. So look, as an artist, we all understand that a stage is a stage until an actor walks on it. Once an actor walks on it, now there's life. And we're interested to see what's gonna come about, you know, in that moment. But the business itself, you, you could audition, audition, callbacks, callbacks, and book the part. And there's a moment when, like the day before you're supposed to go to set, you'll get a phone call and say, yeah, we just canceled the entire film. What? <laughs> and that and that just happens. You you could get like 13 callbacks and then, then you don't book the film at all. And that happens, you know. Uh, um, uh, there could be a strike happening and then nothing happens at all. <laughs> so, you know, in, in, in the business itself, if the director has a son or, or he has a friend and he looks like you, it's possible that they're going to hire them and not you. And that's that's what the business is. I don't, I, I, I don't, you know, uh, my my job is to be able to do what I do, which is be the actor. I look at the project and I go, oh, this is a great project. Let me look at it. Let me look at it from every single uh, angle, right? Look at, I, I study the characters that are created. I study the story that's developed and I try to find the tone, the theme, the through line and, and and one of my secrets that I've learned from, even from one of my professors is I'll grab a script and after reading it, I'll, I will rename it and personalize the script myself. So I open this creative um, door that opens my imagination to something deeper. And then I honor what the writer has written. When you think about like, um, there's a play, it's called Rabbit Hole. Um, and, and, you know, it's about parents who deal with uh, a traumatic moment that happened in, in their lives. Um, I really have to embrace what that world is living in, living in the East coast, living in a lifestyle like that, living with different points of views. Some people are from Jersey, New York, Connecticut. What's that life like? Do I have friends who live there? I do. And I go, what's, how can I compare that to that? And if I have questions, sometimes <laughs> In that case, for instance, when I was doing that play, I just called the writer himself. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, hey, he was like, oh my God, my kid's dressed up as you. 
And I'm like, oh my God, I'm talking to you. So, um, and, and it really, you really pick their brains and trying to find out what, what the true meaning of, of the human issue. Yeah. Um, um, so that, and that's, that's the great thing about being an actor is that you really explore these moments. So for, so for any aspiring actors, right? Don't be afraid to fail. Don't be afraid to make mistakes. If you read a book, read a play, and you don't understand it, go back to page one and start all over because you'll get better. You know, uh, you become really good at whatever you practice. So, um, and you need to understand the reality that is acting for the artist, acting in the business, acting the business of Hollywood, and acting for the audience, right? Whatever you do as an artist, keep creating because you just get better. The business is what, what it is, right? It's constantly growing and constantly um, evolving and changing so you know there's space for everyone right the business of hollywood yeah. you know appreciate and know what a director does a producer does and the executive respect the casting directors because they work hard too everybody has worked hard to put a project together you know and get yourself involved and then the audience there's going to be an audience no matter what whether you have two people or two thousand people they're going to be watching your work so so enjoy what that is because it's all creative that's wonderful um, advice uh, and i'm going to try and remember some of that now instead of saying don't do it uh, <laughs> but i i do want to we got to talk about the movie and i i gotta ask you in your opinion Efren, what is it about napoleon dynamite that what's the secret sauce why do people love it so much and keep wanting to watch it over and over again and it's made it such an endearing and, and lasting uh, film. Is it Pedro? I think it's Pedro. It's probably. No. <laughs> um, it's wonderful to be a part of a project like this where I can travel anywhere in the world and people will know that film. Um, what's interesting enough is that anywhere in this country alone, they could see a film like Napoleon Dynamite and find it relatable because one of the things about the movie is that it does have diversity. And, and I want to talk a little bit about that. As different as all these characters are from each other, the similarity is that they're trying to figure out who they are and what they're all about. Every single one of them, even Napoleon. The core to this film itself is hope and friendship um and that's what we need you know we're we're living in a world right now in society where it is we're, we're 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 quite divided you know and i think we have to remember and i think we'll grow out of that and remember what's important because the most important things are values are 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 a sense of character you know when you watch napoleon dynamite it really is about a guy who's as, 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 as much of an oddball as Napoleon is, um, he's just trying to figure life out, you know? He's, and, and what's funny is that you see his brother going online, you know, trying to date somebody, you know? Um, and even it, you think about Uncle Rico, look at his history. Everyone's trying to figure something out. Yeah. So, you know, and in the friendship, it's funny that you see somebody like Pedro Sanchez coming from Mexico, entering a new world, and he doesn't, he doesn't necessarily necessarily know how to fit in, but becomes friends with Napoleon, and in that friendship, 
they help each other's dreams come true. There's another film kind of like that, which is surprising enough. It's um, it's 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 Midnight Cowboy with John Boyd and Hoffman, mm -hmm. where John Boyd leaves. Uh, uh, his 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 environment, and it goes to something some place completely different. Finds a friend, and in that friendship in New York City, they help each other's dreams come true. And I was like, yeah, that's it. Mm -hmm. You know, which is you know that's and I think people people in America can find that so relatable where we're just trying to figure life out, and if you realize that we need each other to get through life. In such in a better way with love and and hope and and with with mistakes you know we're not perfect but we're at least we can achieve to help each other out yeah passion so you know I see that with the audience when I talk with the audience all the time it's amazing to see how this is a film that families can all sit together you don't have to edit your children's ears and eyes to 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 protect them you know no no this is an experience and you go yeah. We are goofy. We're not perfect. We're weird sometimes. <laughs> I was watching. I was. I hadn't seen it in a few years, so I, I watched it last night. And my fifteen-year-old son came in at the very end of the movie. He's like, "What are you watching?" And he has not seen it. And so we sat through the the, the scene where the dance scene. And then he, he was like, "Why is he dancing?" He was trying, I was trying to explain it to him. And at the very end of the movie, there's the tetherball where they're playing tetherball, and he just starts laughing uncontrollably. He just loves it. There's something about it, and he's he's kind of tall and gangly, and I, I think he just can relate to it so well. And I think you're right. There's just something about like we all kind of can be a part of it. I think maybe this is what. Yeah, yeah, was. yeah. You know, sometimes people find it. They go, "Well, as they watch it, they go, well, well, we're just laughing at the film and laughing at the characters." But the truth is, they're laughing with the characters because yeah. they're they're some of them are the Uncle Ricos, some of them are the. Yeah. Some of them are the um, what's his name, the guy, the the bully. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> you know who played by Trevor Snar. Yeah, you know, it, it's like even even the Summer Wheatleys, you know, as, yeah. as, as we kind of vilify her, but she's lovable, you know, and she's mm -hmm. fun, and you're like, okay, <laughs> because they're 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 ding dongs trying to figure life out, especially in rural America, and they're like, yeah, that's exactly what life is. <laughs> Yeah, and I, I love films and it shows that just, I think they're designed just to make you feel good and, and to understand a little bit better. And um, there's not a lot of conflict in the movie and it does, you don't need it. And, and I think that's, uh, you know, the story moves along great without it. And it, it's it's a real testament to the film. And it, it, it's, it's really, you know, persevered. And like I said, everybody I know my age, when they, when I tell them about this uh, coming up, they get really excited. Um, so um, it is coming on November third, and so we're we're really looking forward to it. Uh, I do want to do something before we let go of you, if it's okay. We we like to do a little game with everybody we interview. Yeah, sure. It's uh, it's called either or. It's real easy. Um, you just I'm going to give you two options, and then you just pick one whichever one you like. So it's super easy. And it starts out easy. It gets a little bit tougher as it progresses. Um, uh, and we didn't even get to, by the way, I almost forgot. Um, you did a lot, you've done cartoons too and voiceover work. So um, there, do you, Ruth, did you know that there's a Napoleon Dynamite uh, animated series? 
I didn't until yesterday. I did a little bit of research <laughs> myself and I was like, wait, there was a Napoleon dynamite. And you did the voiceover for that, right? Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. and then it was also- I will in... tell you. Go ahead. I, I will tell you, it's not just people your age. Um, it really is truly multi-generational. Um, my kids both love it. And, you know, I have a millennial and a Gen Z or- and they both love it. And um, the the one who lives close is like, oh, I'm definitely coming for Napoleon Dynamite. <laughs> and she's like, I, I want to see that. And I was like, yeah, that's going to be really fun. Um, I did have, before we get to either or, if I could ask you a question that came up um, as we were talking about this podcast in, in my marketing meeting, um, the question that came up that you didn't really answer was like, what's it like to be part of a cult classic i mean like this is truly a cult film you, you talk about people getting dressed up as the characters being able to you know do scenes at a at a drop of a hat you know and those kinds of things what's that like for you because this was your like first big break right yeah yeah you know um, yeah i kind of live a boring life yeah <laughs> <laughs> you know, my, my life is, um, I go running in the mountains. Um, I feed my cat, you know, uh, Houdini goofball, you know, I, um, and I read scripts, plays, watch movies, you know, and I, and I read a lot of books. I'm, I'm very, I'm reading Seder right now and, um, and Carl Jung for another project. Um, so, you know, but the real truth is it's, anything but boring it's it's it's, it's so, so riveting you know being looking at the world the way i see it and when i see people who who recognize this film and it and it lights them up in such a way i i am grateful uh so much because it has moved them and made them feel good you know people want to hug hug me i'm like sure they want to sing to me great um just the other day i was um uh, on Venice Beach, uh, uh, and, and and people were from Arizona, I believe, and they they you know um, I remember having my glasses and they're like, oh my god, and so and and if I can move people in such a positive light, then then I've done my job. You know, my job as an actor is to really, really uh, uh, look at the characters and stories, and you know, live that world, and it may I may physically change a little bit. Um, my hair, I'll dye my hair, cut my hair, facial hair, you know, gain weight, lose weight, you know. Uh, but these characters in these stories also have voices too, and their voice matters. So, um, because then the audience, whoever's watching the projects I do, they're going to relate to that person. They're going to find what they're fighting for and fighting through. So, for something like Napoleon Dynamite, um, seeing that the audience after 20 years are still moved by it you know i'm hoping that they for generations even even when i'm gone <laughs> you know they go like, hey remember napoleon dynamite <laughs> and like that Pedro guy so you know maybe they, they're gonna learn how to build a cake <laughs> you know I, I i am utterly grateful for that and and um i am i am uh, honored to be able to to face up new challenges, to develop and live through characters for the rest of my life as an artist, you know, and I'm and I'm in not only in in interpreting what, what writers have created, but what I'm creating myself, and and 
and hope that the audience finds some kind of uh, human essence to that, you know, so. <laughs> that was a great question, Ruth. So thank you for yeah. asking that uh, before we get into our game. And uh, Efren, I, I do want to thank you again for your time and uh, tell you how much we're looking forward to this. Um, so you, you ready for the game? Super easy. That's, you're going you're gonna to pass it. So like I said, I'm going to give you two options. And then you just say which one you prefer. It's a way for us to get to know you better. Okay. So I'll start off with mountains or coast. Both. <laughs> Both. Oh man, it's gonna to be tougher than I thought. Uh, M and M's or Reese's Pieces. M and M's. Okay. Dogs or cats. Cats. All right. Well, I mean, because I am a. I, I don't know. Maybe because I'm a cool cat. I'm You're a cool cat. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, no, because I have a cat, you know. There you but, go. But you know, Houdini, I'm, I'm, right? I'm, yeah, Houdini. So, but I'm a werewolf myself. So, <laughs> okay. Uh, the color red or the color blue? Blue, but red is deep inside. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, iPhone, or, okay. iPhone or Android? Uh, iPhone. Okay. Uh, here we go. Stage or screen? Really? You put me in this situation? <laughs> you can say no comment. Okay. Uh, uh, and uh, screen. Because screen. Okay. Millions. Uh, television or movies? Movies. Al Pacino or Robert De Niro? Pacino. Okay. Uh, Charlie Chaplin or Buster Keaton? I love them both. Um, I, I got. I must tell you this. My secret for Pedro, his archetype. Uh, you know, for those theater geeks who who understand what that means, it's like you 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 get the character and you kind of you, you give them somebody to look up to, right? So they can emulate who they are. Was Buster Keaton and Charlie Chaplin and my ex girlfriend's dog. So who had been hit by several cars. So he was such. Oh no! But but. There's, there's uh, Charlie Chaplin and Buzz Keaton. There's a humility to them and um, the, their humbleness, and that's what you see with with Pedro. You know, it's the the the, the curious leading with the heart and the innocence of 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 leading with hope, no matter how challenging that can be, and that's exactly that. And I have, you know, uh, um, I have two giant posters in my living room of Charlie Chaplin and Buzz Keaton. <laughs> And, and I do have Brando and um, Al Pacino and, you know, say, but like Al Pacino in, in, in Scarecrow, you know, Al Pacino in Dog the Afternoon. It's like yeah. his early work lately, Panic in Needle Park. <laughs> you know, like, All right. Actually, so I think we're going to say a tie between uh, Charlie Chaplin and Buster Keaton. Then. Yeah. <laughs> comic yeah. or drama? A little bit of both because there's okay. drama and comedy and there's comedy and drama. Marlon yeah. Brando said that. Marlon Brando was like, Find the comedy and drama, and you and you'll get there. You know, find the find the drama and comedy, and you'll get there. Oh, you think about Neil? I mean, look, you think about Neil, you know, Neil Lebu or Neil Simon, right? <laughs> and they're the torturous souls trying to figure life out. Yeah, you know, but they're both great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, John Patrick Shelley, another another great you know uh, playwright, and look at all of his characters. You're know, like, I, all my professors are like, we're very proud of him because he knows all these playwrights. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> okay, we're, we're almost done here. A few more. Uh, Buzz Lightyear or Woody? That's that. That's a given already. I Buzz Lightyear is my boss. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't even mention that in the Lightyear movie. Um, okay, uh, Pegasus or a Liger or a llama. You know, I I gotta say a liger. Liger, okay. Yeah, liger, right? Cat. There you go. Uh, French fries or tater tots? Uh, um, tater tots. You know, because you know we're all tots inside. <laughs> because I've been taught well. <laughs> You've been taught well. Okay, last one. Uh, Livermore, which is where we're at on November 3rd this year or anywhere else in the world. Oh, for a second, I thought you said Nevermore. I Liv like, Livermore. Uh, yeah, I thought, you know, I was like, is he talking about Edgar Allan Poe, the Raven? <laughs> you want me to quote it? Yeah. That's okay. <laughs> I was like, uh, um, okay, Livermore or what? Livermore on November 3rd. Yes. Which is when you're going to be here or anywhere else in the world. Uh, Livermore. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to bring in my cake as well as a pinata, right? So of course. Have a good time. <laughs> right? If it's somebody's birthday, of course, we're going to be making the announcement. And, and you know, who doesn't want to have a happy birthday song from Pedro? Oh, I love it. I'm sure we'll find somebody. That's awesome. Um, well, thank you so much, Efren. We are so looking forward to having you on November 3rd at the Bankhead Theater in Livermore. And uh, really appreciate your time. And I hope you have a wonderful day. So thank you so much. Thank you, thank guys. Thank you so much. It was, it was so lovely to hear your perspective and to hear you drop all those names. It was really great. Thank you. Uh, uh, thank you, guys. All yeah, right. A lot of all right. We'll let you go. So you have a great day. Right. Bye, guys. <laughs> Bye. Bye. That was, he was so interesting. Yeah. That was awesome. What did you think? I, I was going to ask him if we had time, but like in the film, Several of the characters, especially Napoleon and Pedro and Deborah, the, the, the female lead, they always have this kind of deadpan look. And there's there's kind of you your initial reaction is there's nothing going on. But then as you as, as you're watching them act, you can tell it's like there's a ton going on inside. Right. And, and they're able to communicate that with this, that's what makes them such good actors. It's like, you can look at him and you can see just as he's slowly smiling, um, how much is happening behind his eyes. And, uh, but the outer surface is this kind of, they're trying to be as uh, as simple as possible. And uh, and it does, It's it, that's what, you know, even in high school, you know, when you're a teen and you're feeling, you know, Maybe you, you look at somebody and you go, that person's not probably not thinking about much. So there's probably a lot more going on than you know. And I don't know. That's how I what I think about with the film is like there's so much happening that you don't see. And you just but you can feel it. Now you, you saw it. you watched it, you watched it last night, right? I did in preparation for the interview. Like when I think about it, I think about it as a movie of introverts, right? Yeah. Would you describe it that I and it's been a while since I've seen it, so I'm like trying to save myself until November third. Yeah, <laughs> so. I mean, they, I don't know if they're introverted as much as they are just awkward. 
And sometimes when you're awkward, you don't know what to do. So you don't do anything. And and I think that's kind of where they're at. And so they're. they're well, that's that's just high school. Yeah. And but you, you see, they're constantly <laughs> trying to figure out what do I say next? What do I do next? And that that's right. that's what's happening uh, with these characters. And um, and it, you're right. I mean, that's how we all are. And so it's, it's just resonating. How, how would you describe how would you describe yourself in high school? Oh, I was pretty outgoing. Um, however, I, I, I didn't, I never felt like I fit in that much. I, I came to high school uh, not knowing anybody. Uh, so I, I came from a different school when I started high school. So I didn't know one person. And I, I made friends with a couple of people that were a year older than me. And so when I was a senior, I had to make all new friends again. And so I was always trying to find my group or my space, and I never quite did. But at the same time, um, I felt pretty comfortable talking to anybody. Um, but I was was looking for acceptance, obviously. Um, yeah, I, yeah. I think I hear more and more people say they don't feel like they fit in, you know, in high school or wherever they they happen to be. And I certainly thought it was just me. So, yeah, and I think you know I think it's interesting because I was I was involved in theater and speech and anything that could you know put me on stage type of thing and and like live another character right uh, you know whether no matter what I was doing and it was always just like well let's be this person today or or whatever and um and I know that like my daughter that was the one place she fit she felt like she fit in when she was in theater and it sounded like that was also something for for Efren Ramirez and it's it's also something I think you hear from a lot of actors is that you know or, or even anybody who's like an athlete if you know if you're part of a club and you're all of a sudden you feel like ah oh, this is where I fit in this is this is my happy space you found your group. so right right yeah. so it's, you know otherwise there's you know, you just feel like you're lost trying to think of what to do next or what to say next. Right? Yeah, well, that's that was for me. Like, I don't think I ever really found my group until maybe I was a senior in high school. Yeah. I knew a lot of people. And in fact, I went to a reunion five years ago and this person said she thought I was popular. She remembered me being popular. And I was like, that's the last thing I thought of myself because I was never invited to parties. I was never part of any one crowd, but I just knew a lot of people. Um, so and so other people's perceptions of you are probably radically different than what you thought of yourself. So that's right. The other fascinating thing about about that age. Yeah, yeah, it's fun. Well, that was a fun interview, and I really enjoyed getting to know him in that way. It's kind yeah, of fun. I, I think I've only ever seen him in um, Napoleon Dynamite, so I have to go find some of his other stuff and see how you know. See how different he is in other movies. Um, he's in Buzz Lightyear. So watch the Buzz Lightyear movie. He's okay. uh, the main characters in Buzz Lightyear. Okay, and that's animated, right? Or Lightyear, yeah. Okay, okay. Yes, remember I asked him if he liked Woody or Buzz better. Yeah. <laughs> that's where I came from. Um, I'll have to watch. I haven't seen that one. You know, my kids are grown, so I don't have to sit through <laughs> any any animated stuff I don't want to and I you don't have to be growing up to my... watch cartoons or you don't have to be a child of cartoons I know I know that's what they tell me <laughs> um all right should we all say right. goodbye to everybody 
Yeah, we've probably gone on long enough. But uh, thanks, Ruth. Okay. To, uh, Thank you. And Pauline Dynamite. November 3rd, right here at the Bankhead. You can get tickets at livermorearts.org or by calling 925-373-6800. Again, livermorearts.org is the easiest place to buy them online. It's open 24 hours a day. And, and enjoy uh, Efren Ramirez. And enjoy Efren Ramirez, John Heater, and John Bryce is how he pronounced his name. So it's going to be a fun one, and we hope to see you at the theater. Thanks for joining us for Beyond the Stage. <laughs>